we're going to be talking about systems. And we've, got, we've started this month with an interview uh, with Eric Smith about uh, systems and, and systems that he's an expert and actually a consultant as well as a pastor and a CEO of a business. So very wise man. So you haven't listened to that podcast, you're going to want to listen to that. Uh, but as we talk about systems, I want to I want to break down what a system is first, and then and then how to build one uh, effectively. Because I think a lot of people um, misunderstand systems, or they have their preconceived ideas of what a system is or what systems are not. And you know, like Heidi said, systems won't guarantee your organization will grow, but faulty systems are definitely going to stop organizations from uh, growing. And so having an effective system is is vital. And there's certain bends to to certain personalities that like systems and other personalities that definitely do not. And organizations tend to work toward the bend of the personality of the leader on on how much they, you know, emphasis they put on systems or not. But I think regardless, there's some uh, benefits uh, there's huge benefits to having effective systems and the, i think there's is vitally important for every organization to have a system and and make sure that we design a system and so i wanted to clarify what one is first and what a system is and what is effective and then make it as simple as possible for all of us uh, because a lot of times some personalities and some leaders kind of stay away from the the conversation about systems or diving into because they automatically assume that systems are complex or have to be complex and so it becomes overwhelming and we don't know where to begin so i want to strip it back as as basic as basic as we possibly can in defining it so it kind of eliminates that in you know being intimidated by what a system is and and then understanding what it is at its core really helped me anyway um, begin to to be, bring clarity to and know whether a system is working or not working. So um, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four points to build an effective system. Uh, the first two points are really going to be a, a defining what a system is, and then the next uh, two points are going to be basically how to kind of evaluate and set them up. So point number one in how to build an effective system is you want to, number one, design a clear clearly defined process. So you want to design a clearly defined process. And the emphasis on that one is it's got to be clear. Uh, without clarity, um, there's going to be complexity. Without clarity, there's going to be confusion. Without clarity, no one's going to be, you know, when in a point of confusion or it, no one's going to be able to confidently step forward or be able to move the organization forward or the responsibilities, your staff, whatever it might be, and they're not going to be your volunteers are not going to be able to confidently make the right decisions unless the process is clearly defined. So number step one is having a clearly defined process. How to define a clearly, you know, a clear process, I think is important. Clarity is the ability of the process to be communicated and understood by the people. Right. It not just it's not a process that can be communicated and clearly understood by the leader. I think that's a mistake that we often make as leaders is that it's clear in our mind, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's clear in our team's mind. And so you want to be able to, you know, clarity is the ability of the process to be communicated and 
by other people, by the volunteers. You want the people on your staff to be able to communicate what, with clarity what the system is. You want your volunteers to be able to communicate clearly what the, what the system is. And you want them, in order for them to clearly communicate it, they have to clearly understand it. So I think it's, it's so, so, so important that as for us as leaders, that we really uh, are put an emphasis on bringing clarity, not just to ourselves, not to just to our customers, but to everybody that is, is we're responsible for, everybody that's working for us, that they can not only understand what the system is or the process is, but they can also articulate it with clarity. So that's that's part of that in bringing clarity. And so it's the leader's responsibility to define much more than just the, the mission or the purpose, which is the why. They the leader also must you know, define the vision, the what the organization needs to do, but also in focusing on systems, leaders must also define the process or the how. And so my question for you is, as leaders, and whether it's a business leader, a church leader, or, you know, um, not-for-profit leader, that you want to be able to ask this question, uh, how's our how, right? So... <laughs> Our, our is our how we you know we understand our mission we understand our vision but do we understand our process and how we're going to accomplish our mission how we're going to accomplish our vision so how's the how I think a, a book that really you know helped me you know kind of grasp in, in my world in the church world um, the value of systems is Rick Warren's book the purpose-driven church and one of the things and I read it way 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 back when I think it came out in the mid late nineties. Um, and, and in the book, one of the things that he did is he created these five concentric circles and, and for you know, Rick Warren, what he said is this is how he, this is the process. This is his, how, and it was so crystal clear that he wrote it in a book was crystal clear that, that not only his church got it, but pastors all around the world began to take that, those concentric circles and begin to implement them into their own churches and it, what, what it was clear was the outside circle was you know the community and and he said this is you know this is in the business world this would be your customer or your you know the tar target community that you are your business is operating in or the target community that you're trying to 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 market to that's your community the the people you know in your neighborhood or in your city but it's it's that aren't yet customers. That's the kind of the community. Then his next circle was, in, in church terms, he used the word congregation, which is or, or the crowd, I believe it was. And the crowd was those who would be kind of a first time, you know, uh, visitor. And in the business world, we you know that circle would be your shopper. So you'd have your target community. The circle inside of that one would be your you know. Uh, a browser or a shopper, somebody that's kind of checking out your product or your business and just kind of scoping it up, whether that business is online, you got viewers, somebody that's online and they're, they're checking you out, you know, and deciding whether or not they want to purchase or, or be involved. That's your shopper. Then you want to have the, uh, the next concentric circles like, well, this would be the first time buyer. So this is somebody that is going to actually, you know, attend for the first time, buy for the first time, um, make a, you know, a commitment, a volunteer for the first time, what, whatever that might be. 
um, that's the next step. And then the, the circle inside would be, you know, a return customer or in the church world, this would be, you know, you're those who are, you know, now committed to the church, your, your return customers, they're, they're coming back and back. In the business world, it's, there's a big difference. A lot of co companies are very good at getting the first time buyer, but then it, what really drives the success is having return customers where they you have a satisfied customer so that they're gonna want to return and purchase again. And then the circle inside would be you know the core or the loyal to the brand customer. And I think there's a number of companies that, that um, have mastered this loyal to the brand. Uh, one of the ones that comes to mind, of course, is Harley Davidson. The fact that, that people are willing to tattoo a company's brand on their body is probably loyalty. That I, like, Can you imagine tattooing Coca-Cola? I mean, it's, it's just like that's next level commitment that people are willing to do that. There's other ones. Another company that's done a loyal to brand great job is Apple. Uh, you know, it's a company that, that people are, you know, loyal to a fault and that doesn't matter you know they're they're apple people they're gonna buy and buy and buy and buy and they're not they're not just you know the i've seen apple stickers on cars bumper stickers on cars and you're thinking why are you advertising your, your computer on the back of your car like it, it it's it's interesting but these companies whether you're you're a fan of them or not have created loyalty at, at another level to their to their company so when you look at the concentric circles, what you're seeing is the outside circle moving into into the smallest circle in the middle is a greater is a greater level of commitment, right? So you start with your community, you know, and your target audience, and then you you've got those who are browsing or shopping, and then you've got your first time buyers, and then you got your return customers, and then you got your loyal to the to the brand. And the bigger circle is going to be the broader audience. The narrow ones are going to be your smaller audience. But really what that, that's doing is, is whatever your organization needs to do is having that clearly defined process, which I thought Rick Warren did brilliant at is saying, okay, here's your target. Here's the next level. Here's the next level. And clearly defining what the process was is hugely important for defining a system, which leads us to number two, is that what is next important in building an effective system is creating movement. Okay, so what that means now is that we're gonna have a clearly defined process and we're or clearly defined steps and, and you know, defining what those, either through the concentric circles or through table and chairs or what that we've done or through, you know, uh, you know, I've done it, I've seen people where they put, you know, a piece of paper on the, on the floor and then they're saying the next big step and put the next piece of paper and what's the next step. You wanna be able to create movement now through levels of community. You wanna be able to create movement from the community to the shoppers. You wanna create movement from the shoppers to the purchasers. You wanna create um, first time buyers. You wanna create movement from the first time buyers to the return customers. You wanna create movement from the return customers to the loyal to the brand you know, customer. And it's all about creating movement. An effective system is creating movement. And movement is the sequential steps in the process that causes people to move to the greater area of commitment. And in reality, as leaders, what our job is now is to focus on that movement and creating systems or handoffs 
from one level of commitment to the next level of commitment and de developing a system that is going to create movement to levels of, of commitment. So what I think in, is important to understand is that in, in relay races, if you watch the Olympics and you see, you know, the relay race, um, what they, you know, the relay race is a team of four and the teams that win aren't necessarily the ones that have the four fastest runners. The one, the teams that often win in the relay race is the ones that had the smoothest handoffs between and exchanges between one runner to the next. And if there's, you know, races can be lost with a faulty handoff. In the same way, in businesses, we can have the best product on the market, but if we don't have a healthy handoff, you know, to the customer of that product, you know, then the system, it doesn't matter how good your product is, the handoff is going, you're going to lose the race. So it's about when creating movements and systems in these concentric circles and defining the process. It's great to have a defined process, but you have to be able to have clear movements, focus on the handoff from one to the next. So what is the program, okay, now to that you're going to use to target the community or the, uh, the, the customer that you want to reach? So this would be obviously, you know, most companies would take this and saying, we're going to have a very strategic marketing plan. The best companies know who their audience is, know what demographic they're trying to reach, which, which you know, personality they're trying to reach with, you know, they break it down as clearly in defining their their customer to the, the, the age, to the sex, to the, to, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, wealth or the, you know, prosperity of them or whatever it might be, they will break down and get very, very clear. And the more clear they are, that's the clearly defined process on who their customer is, the more targeted they're going to be toward the community, their marketing, and that is going to be an effective handoff system. And so we can evaluate that and saying, okay, are we, are we effectively reaching the people that we want to target it and, and reach? And is there movement now from, from the community to shoppers? And so be able to determine whether or not we have a number of new shoppers. If we have lots of new shoppers, first timers coming by, then, then we know, okay, we must have the system must be working. There's movement. But if we have a lot of first time you know, shoppers, but they're not purchasing, we have a systems problem because there's a the the, ball, the baton got dropped somewhere in the handoff between getting them from that circle to the next one. So now we have to evaluate the system, right? The what creates movement from the handoff in the shopper to the to the purchaser. So what do we need to do to to help have a shopper want to purchase? So this is where this is systems like stores will use and malls and malls will use and different things where they will put, they will position certain things that, that they want you to buy or that you're going to be most tempted to buy to make that first purchase. They're going to position and situate the store in such a way that you're going to make that first purchase because if they know if you make that first purchase, you might be willing to go in a little bit deeper and make the second purchase. So they will develop a system that's going to get the shoppers to make the next level of commitment, which is purchasing. So if there's if you've got lots of first time guests or lots of people shopping, 
for the first time, but they're not buying. We've got a systems problem. We need to reevaluate and work on what we need to do. But let's say you're successful and that handoff's good. You have first time buyers. Do they come back and are they return customers? Right. And, and if they're return customers, now we're focusing on the handoff between the first time buyer to a return customer. And, and that then we evaluate the system and the clarity of the system that is going to get make a first time buyer want to come back. So this is where you know a lot of companies will focus on customer service and making sure that we're treating the customer properly and that that you know they're given high levels of respect and, and different things. There's something that's gonna entice them, certain programs that are gonna entice them to want to buy again. All right. So that's creating this the next handoff to the next level. Then how do we get a return customer to become loyal to the brand? Right. And, and that's where a lot of companies drop the ball. I'll give you an example of a few that are, are, are good at it. So what did Harley Davidson and, and what did, you know, what did Apple do to create, you know, loyal to the brand customers? Well, one of the things that Apple did, for instance, was they spent an awful lot of money and Steve Jobs was extremely um, emphatic about doing this. But when, you know, a lot of people, I'm one of them as well, the, uh, keep the boxes that their phones come in or that the computers come in, all the rest of it. He put an enormous amount of extra ex, you know, expense into the packaging, right, that, that people were, you know, and they put the stickers in there, they, into, the, into the box, all the extra little expenses that, that other companies don't do, they put into there because they were creating this brand or this, they were creating this re, desire for return customers, they're creating loyalty, you know, something to that that would people would be proud of to be, you know, to own and, and to be a part of. They kept they created these little systems, these little programs that were meant to make somebody loyal to the brand. So each one of these, you know, and for Harley, they created a culture around their motorcycles. They they marketed in such a way that they're creating a culture around, you know, what the Harley owner is and you know, they're you know, they're tough, they're bikers, they're, they're whatever it might be. They create this to where people feel like, man, I got a tattoo that on my body to show that I'm tough. It's a company, it's a corporate logo. Like, what's the deal? Yet they did such a great job in the handoff from a return customer to creating loyalty to a brand. And so that is that is something where, uh, you know, we look at and, and clearly, clearly define the process, but also asking is there movement and wherever you uh, see a stoppage in movement you have a systems problem and for me that was one of the things that helped me clearly understand systems more than anything is like systems are just simply movement it's creating movement and if there's it's movement of to the next level of commitment in the church world like you know who are we you know we want to reach our community we want someone to check out our church, whether that's online or whether that's in person the first time. We want them to then have a, such an experience that they come back. And then when they come back, we want them to be committed. And then we want them to be part of the core. And we want to create movement. And we want to be able to put our programs in such a way with clarity and with simplicity in such a way that there's a clear next step, which is about creating movement. What, you know, and clarity is what's the clear, what is the clear next step? for for the customer or for the attendee or for the volunteer what's the clear next step and that's that's defining the process that's also making sure that there's movement 
And then once you create movement, put your programs in that sequential order of, of this is this program is designed to create the movement to that next level. That's what it's designed for. Um, what also is important is, is you want to have a clear entry point to, to your process. What's the clear first step? So in the church world, is the clear next step the website, or is the, which is becoming more and more important? Is the clear next step, you know, uh, walking inside the church building the first time, you know, for the business? Businesses is the clear next step walking into the organization or shopping online. What's the clear entry point to the process? And a lot of, you know, a lot of companies are unclear on that entry point. And if you're unclear, I guarantee you the customer is even more fuzzy in, in what that is. And they're less likely to jump in. So again, how to build effective systems. Number one, design a clearly defined process. Number two is create movement. Okay. Number three, then is is now align all of your departments, staff, and volunteers around the same simple process. Okay, so three is align your departments, staff, and volunteers around the same, that's important, the same simple process. So once you have clarity to the process, once you can see, you know, okay, you put the programs in sequential order and we, so that we can create movement, now you want to align all of your departments, all of your staff, all your volunteers around the same simple process of increase, like create, increasing greater levels of, com, uh, of commitment and creating movement to greater levels of commitment within the organization. And, and I you know, implore you to resist complexity, pursue simplicity, right? Well, we can, you know, we don't need to have five steps in between each level of commitment we want to have one if at all possible and creating one simple step uh, and, and align everything within that simple process and making sure that we can we can create that clear that's that's important that's the clarity thing next movement next handoff next step to a greater level of commitment and align you know, your marketing department saying you're targeting this audience. You want to align your follow-up. You want to align your, you know, your volunteers. What are they, what part of the movement, what part of the the sequence are they they in? And then fourthly, uh, you want to narrow your focus. So you want to align all your departments and then you want to narrow your focus. And it, both of these kind of work alignment and focus work is you want to have to do less if you want to grow more. And so sometimes you're going to have to eliminate what potentially works, um, you know, and what is presently working to what potentially works best. So sometimes you have to eliminate the good to have the best. And, and that's narrowing the focus and narrowing the focus and cutting things sometimes creates more clarity. What's also important with alignment, uh, you know, and focus is is measurement. You're not going to be able to manage what you don't measure, and so in order, again, taking our concentric circles, if we look at it saying, you know, how many first-time shoppers has our business had in the last month? If you don't know that number or you have no way of tracking that number, you're not going to be able to manage that system effectively because you're going to be in. Well, it felt like 
we had this many first-time guests. It felt like we had this many first-time shoppers. It felt busier this month than normal. But if you can't, if you don't know, you're not going to be able to properly manage that sequential handoff and know whether the system is working or not. So you want to be able to, when you're aligning department staff and volunteers, you want to be able to align measurements as well. Focus on measurements and go. Okay, we need to. We should know how many are in our community that we're trying to reach. What's our target? You know. What's our target audience? If your target audience for your business is, is senior citizens, you should know in your 30 mile radius, how many senior citizens are in our, our area that are our potential community of reaching. If you're wanting to, if your organization's wanting to, you know, grow with, you know, teenagers, you should know how many teenagers are there. If you want to know, you know, should know what the size of your community is, and then you should know how many first time volunteers first-time shoppers first-time attendees we've had in the last month you should know that because then you can see month after month whether or not your system is being effective and and sometimes you'll see well that number has been declining for months we probably have a systems problem because our movement is decreased so if it's increased we we know our systems are working how many of our first-time shoppers are actually first-time buyers we should know that Right. And is there a way that we can track that? And if we can track that, then we can know that our system is working and that that we're having enough first time buyers. How many of our first time buyers have been returned customers and, and come back and have been greater commitment? We should know how many of our buyers are returned customers and find a way to do that. How many are loyal? We should we should know that. And again, if you if you know that number, it's going to be easier to manage because you're going to be able to see the effectiveness of the handoff, and you'll be also be able to see where the baton is being dropped. And then when you see, well, man, we, you know, we've got lots of first-time buyers, but we don't have a whole lot of return. We got a systems problem. What are we going to do? Maybe it's our customer service. We're going to focus this next season on narrowing our focus and lining our departments to make sure that we can fix that system so that we can create and keep the the movement. So when it comes to focus, uh, the more you focus each environment or, or, or circle or, or um, department, the more you focus each, each environment, the greater the relevance. The more you focus each environment, the better the connection, right? Because if there's people aren't sure where to connect or how to connect, you know, they're not going to connect. So the more focused you are, the better the connection. The more focused each environment is, the higher the quality. You know, you'd be able to deliver more. If you do too much, you're going to do too much at, a, at good. But if you do a few, you might be able to do great. Right. So the more you focus each environment, the higher the quality, the more you focus each environment, the stronger the impact. Right. So so focus is vital and focus really is the commitment to abandoning everything that falls outside of the simple process. If there's something the organization is doing that doesn't create movement to greater levels of commitment, then you have to ask, why are we doing it? If it's not helping, <laughs> if it's not helping, well, we're just doing it because every other company does it. Yeah, but they probably don't know why they're doing it either. <laughs> so there's, you gotta, if it focuses really the commitment to abandon anything that falls outside of the simple process of creating movement to the next level of, of commitment. So to sum it all up, how to build effective systems is clearly define a, 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 proce a process, define a, you know, design a clearly defined process, which is your next steps, what's next, 
what's the next level of commitment in our organization, um, right? You know, and create, secondly, create movement. So in that next step, what is the handoff in between this level of commitment to this level of commitment? And I want to create movement there. And then are we aligned? You know, our departments aligned, our staff aligned, our volunteers aligned, you know, around the same simple process of anything out of order. And then let's narrow the focus. What can we eliminate that, that, that is not helping us effective, be effective in, in creating movement? So there's just a little summary, little teaching on, on systems. I hope that, um, hope that helps. And I think now I'm going to hand it over to Heidi and we're going to go into a Q&A time. Awesome. Thank you. I think this is a, a really important conversation, especially as our world moves faster and we're bombarded with like new tools and productivity hacks daily. And one of the things that you said that really stood out to me was to choose what potentially um, works best over what is presently working. And I think that's a big differentiator when we're reviewing the effectiveness of our system. So, so good. So we've got a few minutes left um, to open up the conversations for a few questions or comments. And I know that Tim um, already posted one in our chat. Uh, so Tim, why don't you ask your question of Kelly? Oh, you're muted. Oh, maybe his mic is not working. Oh, All right, I'll ask it for you. Okay, I'll ask okay. it for you, Tim. So Tim asked, what are some good telltale signs to distinguish between what is good and what is best when it comes to narrowing your focus? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think uh, a lot of times uh, what we focus on that is good is something that at one time was great. Um, and was the best system. And then we become loyal to it because at one time uh, was best and one at one time it, it was good. But if we find ourselves making excuses for why we're keeping something um, or keeping something going or we're keeping a department or we find ourselves making excuses over, you know, a system that, that we've done, we've always done it this way, or, or this is, this, this used to work this way. And we just got, you know, if we start finding ourselves making excuses, we probably have something that at one point was great, but is now we're having to defend it. It is probably now good. So I think that's one of the telltale signs for me anyways, I, I start paying attention to, you know, where are we making excuses for someone or something that we're doing? on a regular basis and then going that that's good. Um, I'm also at one of caution that sometimes, um, and my personality is, is one that is probably guilty of this. Um, a lot is that sometimes I get, I get distracted, uh, easy, or I find something new and shiny and flashy. And I think that's going to be best and we're going to abandon. So I, then I jump too quickly to what oh, there's a better way. And, and then what happens is that violates by jumping too quickly to something that you assume is going to be greater. Um, you violate the clearly defined process, right? You violate the clarity because now your team is having to readjust and, and re make and re reshape and all the rest of it. And they're going, and if you do that too quick, too often, then, then all of a sudden clarity suffers. So uh, you want to get to the place where, where you're kind of balancing, you know, 
is, are we making excuses for something? Are we are we too loyal to something, refusing to change, and and not changing fast enough, or are we changing too quick and now we're violating, uh, you know, clarity in in those things? Then I I think there's a fine balance in that. But to me, again, to answer your question is I I watch for where I'm making excuses as to something's not working. Well, are making excuses for numbers not being accurate right or being right you right you start making excuses like wow it's just this time of year oh wow you know everybody's going through oh it's just recession oh well it's just this and you start making excuses for that um i wherever there's excuses i'm going wait okay is that is that the truth or is that just most of the time excuses are feelings is that the truth or do we have something that is good and not great anymore or is there a better way Thanks, Tim, for, I appreciate you asking that question. And Dustin on um, YouTube says he, that's a true story for him as well. So thanks, Dustin, for chiming in. Um, does anybody else have a question that they would like to ask Pastor Kelly today? That's very cool. Dustin's watching on, where is he watching on? He's watching on YouTube. That is awesome. I love that. You'll be able to watch on Facebook and YouTube, LinkedIn, I believe as well, which is very, very cool and be able to chime in. So, hey, Dustin, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and Renee was watching on Facebook, but he couldn't get in on the video camera because apparently his hair wasn't done on time. But he does have a question for us. It's a long okay. one. I'm not sure if it'll show completely on here. Let's see. All right. So sometimes some team members feel like no one else will want to do this, so I'll do it myself. Um, and of course, this thing is going small on me and I can't read it. And meanwhile, people are waiting to be asked to serve. So how do we teach our leaders to grow their teams and teach their systems to people who might not be a part of these? Such a good question. Um, a lot of times we have the assumption that everybody enjoys what we enjoy and thinks like we think. And the reality is, is that God made each one of us extremely different. And I think it's absolutely crazy that there's people in this world that love numbers and, and spreadsheets and, and doing all the detail, like all the detail stuff. I find I was like, I don't want to ask anyone to do that stuff. That stuff is torture. That's torture for me. But there's people that actually come alive with that and love that. It's crazy. And there's other people that, you know, I'm like, well, someone doesn't want to serve behind the scenes and do this kind of stuff. There's people that prefer to be behind the scenes and want to kind of be in the in the shadow and feel like they're contributing if they're involved in this way. So every single person um, is different. And so I think if we assume that 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 this is going to be painful for somebody else, I'll just do it myself. So no one else is going to want to do this. I think that is a, a big mistake. And I would I would communicate and train our team and saying, no, listen, there are people out there who want to do what you hate and who love to do what you hate. And, and there's people who hate what you love and would be terrified to do what you what you prefer to do. And so I think I think it's I think we need to have that regular conversation as leaders with our people and, and realize that there are people out there and just ask and, and do that. And there's certain jobs that yeah, hey, there's there's people who prefer to to clean behind the scenes and prefer to do spreadsheets and prefer to be locked in an office all day like there, there's there's people that prefer that and 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 man 
let's let's find those people and be able to recruit and, and train and do that and simply ask and and I think you'll be surprised. I've I've been surprised multiple times. I know I had that thought when I was younger as as a leader that oh no one's gonna want to do this, so I'll do the mundane, terrible tasks. And then I realized people are like, Why are you doing that? I want to do that. You took my job. I was like, Oh, oh wow, you you wanna do that? Yeah, wow, okay. It's amazing. So <laughs> I think I think uh yeah, God made us um like Paul says in, in Corinthians as different parts of the body like there's different parts different functions god made us to to each play a role um and to work together and and so i think we find people that and ask people and you'll be surprised at their response that's so good thanks renee for getting clarity on that one too that's a really good question does anyone else have anything else they'd like to do before we close today's meeting? Jen, you've been pretty quiet. It's very loud over here, so I don't want to interrupt with um, the freezer making loud noises. Um, I did have a couple questions, though. Uh, one, it was kind of piggybacking off of the conversation we were having with Tim, and just how do you identify whether there's outside factors that are playing into it might not be a systems problem but it might be but there's outside factors such as seasonal things um covid just stuff like that like how do you know it's actually a systems problem and diagnose that correctly as a leader versus like outside things like how do you identify that perfect great question uh definitely needs to be talked about one of the things that 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 i, I think is underestimated at, at the value of its importance, certainly in the church world, and I, I think in a lot of times in the business world as well, is the whole idea of measurement and keeping accurate measurements. So the more accurate you are in your measurements and the more focused you are in your measurements, the better you're going to be able to discern between outside circumstances and, and you know, whether, you know, different influences and whether you got a faulty system or where the problem really lies. So the proper way to do the diagnostic on where the problem really lies is, is to know, for instance, is this a seasonal thing? If you keep accurate measurements over the course of, you know, two, three years, you're going to be able to then, then go back and saying, hey, our attendance is down or our first time shoppers are down and it's July. Um, it, what was July last year's numbers at? And how does this year's numbers compare to last July's numbers at? Not just how does this this month compare to last month, but how does this current month compare to the trend of last month? And do we see a common trend year to year um, and rather than month to month or week to week? And if we see starting to see some common trends like you know, for instance, in the church world in, in Canada, if we wanted to get depressed in July, that our attendance is much lower, and we got a big problem in July versus, you know, June, then we're going to go, wait, we're going to make some mistakes because the truth is people go on holidays in, in summer and attendance goes down. But if we compare, it's probably more accurate for us to compare this July to last July, that's more accurate. Um, and we can, we can, uh, you know, evaluate and do a proper diagnostic that way. So that that's one way. Another way to do that is to then compare in the business world, compare um, your measurements and, and the accuracy of your measurements now to other companies that are, you know, and find out from your some of your competitors 
this is where you can start seeing outside circumstances. Are we having, you know, if we're running a coffee shop and other coffee shops are struggling at the same time and we're finding out our measurements, then we're going, wait, is this an economy thing? Is this a seasonal thing? Is this, is this, you know, you know, a product? Like what is, what is the issue that's going on? So if you can now compare your measurements to other organized, similar organizations and see if there's some trends going on, what, then you can know again, properly diagnosing whether or not the problem is us or whether the problem is the economy or our community or, uh, you know, wherever we can accurately define the problem, then we're going to be able to bring the, the proper solution. So I think, I think the accuracy of our measurements and then taking, it's basically taking the the measurements, the, the information, the data that you're getting from your measurements, and then doing proper homework and asking proper uh, questions about the information that you just received. So if you get a number and going, ooh, this number is down, rather than just panicking over this number being down, why is this number down? And let's investigate thoroughly as to why this number and what could be the possible, you know, the potential problems as to what why this number would be down and what do we do, do with it. And then I would highly encourage every leader once you diagnose, ask your staff to help you diagnose, your volunteers to help you diagnose, and then communicate what the proper, you know, the conclusion is as to why this is going on. Do we need to change, you know, uh, the system? Do we need to change the people? Do we need to change, you know, our, you know, something? Like, do we need to reevaluate things, or do we need to just? hunker down because this is an economy thing and how long is this economy thing is going to be and we're going to hunker down for this season and we're going to do this because we anticipate that it could be this way this could be the trend now um and an example of of some of those trends and what's going on is is COVID has thrown a wrench into everybody's numbers and measurements and all of that and going well that's not even close but so what do you do well what what i did in all the midst of this you know church attendance went down we were locked down all, all the rest of it going what do i do I had conversations, multiple conversations with lots of pastors and going, what are you seeing? And I would ask measurement questions. I had conversations a couple of weeks ago at a pastor's conference where I was like, hey, you know, you're in a different part of the continent. What percentage of people have returned is your attendance now compared to what it was pre-COVID? And they would give me a number and I'm like, oh, okay, that would, I would be able to assess my number with their number and going, okay, maybe it's not just us. Maybe it's something and I, and having conversations with 10 pastors who had a similar situation, like going, oh, this is probably not us now. This is probably circumstantial. And then I'd ask, you know, probing questions like, hey, what are you doing about it? Like, what have you guys done? What has worked for you or what isn't working for you? And you begin to ask those kind of conversations by investigating on the number that you know. Um, and and finding out what the real what the real issue or the real problem lies. Does that answer your question? Yes, that was a great answer. Did you have Did additional questions, one? Jen? Um, no, just um, like a lot of it, you actually answered in that. I was just going to ask, like, if you do find because there's different types of things that can go wrong. Sometimes it's user error. Sometimes it is those other factors. So when you do identify it. What do you do and what kind of questions can you ask to help identify it? But you answered that. So that was my question. Perfect. Okay, so we have time for one last question. And Dustin has actually asked it on YouTube. And he is asking, what are some tools that you are using to measure the data you are looking for? 
Yeah. So tools that we use, we use Heidi, you'd be able to answer this one probably more accurately than, than me. Um, but we like we track uh, we track everything. So we we have different tools for different different systems that we track. So we attract, you know, we track attendance um, through most of our stuff is through planning center um, and and some and the data that we gather. Uh, is, is that planning center is a church specific software program, but basically it's, it's creating data. Each one of our campuses, we have data that comes in Sunday afternoon where we track, we track all of the attendance um, and uh, from each one of the, the campuses and departments in within that campus comes back. Um, and then you know we that gets entered into planning center which is then tracked year over year which kind of graphs it and does all that kind of stuff for us financially uh we use i think we use quickbooks and planning center kind of combination those kind of things to track that data and we use uh google drive a lot and and we use dashboards heidi creates fancy uh nice looking much prettier than i would create um um dashboards where we can we can look at it and and honestly we go through a lot of the measurements um weekly in meetings so the eos system the interview that i did with eric smith he's an expert in eos which is entrepreneurial operating system which does a great job at how to deliver on some of the measurements that you that you use and so in a weekly meeting we have with our our you know staff our well our exec staff is we will then give an update weekly on the the measurement numbers that we have, and we and then we have a set goal for the year of where that number should be, and then we report on it weekly, and if we're on track or not on track, so that we can every single week assess whether we're on track, not on track, and make adjustments um, quickly um, and efficiently uh, as as quickly. As possible. So I don't know if that answers your question, Dustin. But but some of the systems we use, like we we, it's important to use the system that's going to track best. But that's also important to use, you know, software and systems that are going to be able to communicate what you just track in such a, in a clear way than to your staff. And so for us, we use Google Drive and, and Workable Documents and Google Drive. That you know that that our, our staff have access to and can be able to see and then we bring them up in meetings that's the communication part but then the tracking part is you know attendance again at planning center and financials quickbooks and volunteer stuff's on planning center like and that's software is there anything else like anything else heidi that you want to add to that uh, we'll use the Trello for project management, and we're just investigating Monday.com right now for project management. Um, but yeah, Google Sheets, we do a lot of, we like Google Sheets because you can incorporate data from one sheet automatically into another sheet. Um, but yeah, I think you pretty much got them all. And then Slack for in-house communication. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Dustin said you answered his question, so. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so we are kind of out of time. It is 12.51 and we want to respect your guys' time as you um, get back to business. So we wanted to um, wrap up today. I just want to remind you to follow uh, us on social media and we have the 
the link there. It's at Parallel or yeah, at Parallel Leaders. Sorry, and subscribe on YouTube so you can get all the resources at your fingertips. Um, we really appreciate everyone for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. We hope this conversation was helpful to you, and thank you, for Pastor Kelly, for leading us in uh, building an effective system. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.